righty, yeah, a little old school intro means we've got another player interview coming along. Hey, you know, it's been uh, Thanksgiving week, and so not a whole lot of uh, ACHA Men's Division One or WCHL action going on. So we enlisted uh, Anita Suchi, our friend from Utah, and she found a gentleman who was playing on the Men's Division Two team out of Utah who was also on the Men's Division One team last year for Utah, but he's also, more importantly, a, uh, he's got a unique story because he's also on the men's uh, national team from the uh, from Mexico. His name is Antonio Nahara, and uh, let's just get right to it, and we'll listen to uh, Anita and Antonio Nahara. Here we go. Welcome to the WCHL podcast, everyone. I'm Anita Tuchia. I'm the semi-regular guest of the podcast, and today we're going to have a chat about all things hockey and maybe some other stuff too. With me today is Utah Utes Men D2 Hockey Forward, Antonio Nahara. Antonio is currently ranked fifth on the team with four goals, three assists, that's seven points in 12 games played. And Antonio is also the team captain. Hey, Antonio. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I know that Chris and I appreciate you uh, letting us interrupt your study time to talk to us. Um, so, uh, Antonio, how long have you been uh, part of Utah Hockey? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Anita. And so I've been playing hockey in general since I was seven years old. So that would be about... 16 years yeah 16 years and so so i'm i'm sure other people are curious about this when they see what your home that your hometown is tell us your hometown uh yeah so i'm from mexico city in mexico not hockey is not very popular as you would think (laughs) not not really Uh, no (laughs) but we do have quite a few ice rings and quite a few um quite a few teams um Really, but mainly I got into it because of one of my um, older cousins. Um, we went to uh, Miami, Florida, to visit him for Christmas break one time when I was like five and a half, and my uncle was on his way to pick him up, and I wanted to go with him. So we just I just watching him practice. I just wanted to try it. It looked like fun. It looked like something that I wanted to try out and see what it was. And when we got back home, uh, we found a nice rink. I went sk- uh, skating twice. After that, I loved uh, just being on the ice. Uh, did a year of figure skating while we ah. figured out there, if there was a hockey team or not. And after a year, surely enough, the same ice rink had a hockey team. So I joined I joined the pro the program back home when I was seven. Wow. So this was six years old when your uncle took you out and you saw your first hockey game. What did you like about it when you were watching it? Uh, the speed and the physicality about it. Uh, I've always been someone who likes contact sports and fast, fast pace where you have to make quick decisions and you have to be always thinking, be always be reactive. Right, right. And so, I mean... This is news to me. I didn't realize that they had youth hockey down in Mexico. I was I was wondering how you even found like an ice rink where you could play hockey. That wasn't just like a public figure skating uh, rink. So they have yeah. organized. They have you organized youth hockey? Yeah, they do. 
Wow. Um, when I started, we had, I think, five teams originally. We managed to expand up to eight teams at one point, and then we had some troubles, and we regressed to like four teams, I think, something like that. I'm not completely sure anymore how many teams we have. But yeah, um, we had quite an experience while I was growing up with uh, youth hockey. Um, yeah, like, and like you said, like their biggest attraction is the figure skating. So most of the money for to sustain the ranks goes comes from there and goes into that emphasis. But they also have figure skating programs, which are pretty good. And yeah, the hockey programs have not been bad. Uh, we've had... Quite a few guys make it to college hockey, and one of our best players right now, if not our best player ever, uh, is playing professionally in Italy. Oh, wow. What's his name? Uh, Hector Mahul. Hector Mahul. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you got pretty good because I also noticed that you got good enough. You ended up getting chosen to play on one of the youth teams for the national team Mexico. Is that right? Yes, I did. I was lucky enough that I got picked to play for my national team when I was 15. I played U18s. Uh, I also played U20s uh, within the year. And I played, I think, what is it now? Uh, five or six men's tournaments as well. Oh, so so the adult, like they call it senior or adult national team. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And if I recall correctly, one of those years on the youth team, they held the world championships in Mexico and team Mexico won, or do I have that backwards? No, that is absolutely correct. Yeah. It was one of our, we, that was one of our biggest years. Actually, we, we decided to host uh, the tournament and we were all excited. We had a big preparation for it. Everybody was uh, in camp concentration for like two weeks. Um, I will, at the time was in Canada, so I kind of had to join late because I couldn't miss as much school. So I ended up joining with a week uh, oh before the tournament, <laughs> but I still missed like two full weeks of school. And yeah, uh, we were all excited. We did really good, which was awesome. We took first place and we moved up in the division and we managed to hold the division for two or three years. I can't quite remember. But yeah. Wow. What year was that? Uh, that would have been 2016, if I'm not wrong. Okay. So now that's interesting because it also brought up my other question is that this happens a lot. I know you know this talking to your teammates, but uh, high school aged hockey players often leave their hometown if there isn't enough competitive hockey. So it sounds like you went to Canada. Is that right? Yes. So uh, when I was younger, like we used to do something called the Pee Wee Quebec tournament where the we would have tryouts back home and we would uh, have different teams for that two different tournaments that they have, the Bernier and the one at the Coliseum, uh, where the Quebec Ramparts played. So my my very, very first year making it to the Quebec tournament, I just fell in love with it. And we 
managed to tour um um an abroad school that uh hosted kids like to stay oh, in, right, in right, the right. school and i just told my dad immediately like this is something i want to do like i want to move i want to be able to play college hockey i want to make it as far as i as i can uh it took some convincing but <laughs> yeah bet. when i was when i was finally uh 15 years old my mom and dad uh let me go to play in Banff Hockey Academy. And we had agreed that it was going to be a one-year thing, one year turning to three. Um, <laughs> so I graduated from there. I love that place. I want to go back so badly. And then from there, I moved to Minnesota, where I played at the Steel County Blades in Owatonna, where I played ah, junior okay. hockey. And there I met Coach Nick Adamek. And Caleb Combs, uh, one Caleb Combs was a teammate of mine that was one of the reasons why I came to Utah. Uh, Adamek put me in contact with Coach Harris. I emailed him. I told him I was interested, but the one who saw me on coming to Utah was Caleb. He told me it is amazing. You love it. You'll have the mountains. You can go hiking. You can go skiing. It is just what everything you would want. And Brett Harris was one of the early coaches of the men. Back then was the men's D1. Is that correct? Utah yeah. men's D1. And Brett Harris was one of the early founders. I, I, I can't remember. Was he the very first coach of the program? Uh, I think it was his dad. I am not Oh, that's sure. right. I'm sorry. You're right. The, Utah hockey's been... Here I am. I broadcast for Utah. No, no, no. Utah hockey's been around a lot longer than that. And you're <laughs> right. It was his... I think you're right. It was his father was one of the early uh, coaches. But Brett, Brett Harris uh, precedes um, our current coach, uh, Morgan Feeney. Yeah, but I didn't have the pleasure to play for Brett. I I ended up playing for Coach Bo Bertinoli. Okay. And, yeah, and then Morgan last year and this year for Nick Fernelius. And I loved it. I've loved every minute I've been here. I've enjoyed it as much as I can. And I am very excited. Yeah, and it's interesting how you kind of ended up right from Mexico City. I'd love to see that little flight map. Mexico City to Quebec to Banff, which I believe is in Alberta, right? Yeah. To Minnesota to Utah. You must have some wonderful frequent flyer miles. <laughs> <laughs> for a while I did, yeah. But uh, the Quebec thing was only for tournaments. I never stayed in Quebec. Oh, uh, okay. For more than a week, Yeah. Yeah, and and as I had said, it's kind of that's I'm finding that's a common theme for uh, even players in Utah where they want to get better, so they either go and start playing in youth leagues in the Midwest or the East Coast, or they go to Canada, right? It's really common mm -hmm. for a lot of the men to and women to go abroad, and then you know we're fortunate enough to have a program that here in Utah where for some of them they get to come back home. So you were really sold on Utah kind of as the whole package, it sounds like, right? Like beautiful scenery, um, good hockey program. And and of course, you know, we have a pretty good school. University of Utah is a pretty good school. What's your, yeah. what's your major, by the way, at Utah? Uh, my major is in mathematics with an emphasis in statistics. Oh my goodness. So what are you gonna yeah. do with that when you, when you graduate? I still have no clue. Oh, okay. I, what do mathematicians have, do when they graduate? 
Um, I can do just about anything <laughs> within reason. Uh, I can go into like any uh, of the science uh, fields, right? Yeah, uh, anything that has to do with stats. Um, I've, I've taken quite a few finance classes, so I could go into that. Um, hopeful to take some accounting classes. I could go into that as well. Uh, you so it just depends. Yeah, I I would love to end up doing something with sports at one point. Yeah, that that would be amazing. Yeah, because so Good. many sports now, right, are using statistics. Ever since the Moneyball phenomenon and Saber, uh, yeah, you know the Saber organization and Bill James, not just baseball, all the sports now are starting to take a harder look at at game statistics. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I would like to. Uh, one of my biggest uh, goals is to try and help grow Mexican hockey uh, in whatever way, shape, or form I can. Right. Well, and and that would be that would be terrific, right? Come back to your hometown and and uh, bring bring everything you've learned by you know I mean because you've traveled to many places and so bring back what you've learned and and you know pay back to the people who have helped you along and. You know, I'm sure your parents exactly. would probably appreciate you being closer to home. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, you know, as I said, you know, you start out with the D1 program uh, under Bertinoli and mm-hmm. uh, or Bertinol, sorry. And then uh, this year you are playing at the men's D2 level and you're also the captain. How did that come about? Um, are you voted by the team? Are you voted by the coaches? I'm not sure. I just kind of, when I talked to Forney about joining uh, the D2 program, he just told me I was going to be, I, he wanted me to be a big piece of it. He wanted me to help uh, create some, bring, create some culture uh, be so that the team could be uh, a little bit more competitive. Uh, that we had a great bunch of guys, and that w- we wanted to make some some changes, and something happened. And in one of our later calls, he let me know that they wanted me to be the team captain, and I was honored. I've never been uh, captain in any of my previous teams. I've been an assistant captain, uh, but. Yeah, so it was. It's a huge responsibility, one that I do not take lightly, and I I love it. I hope the guys are enjoying this year as much as I am, and they are learning from me as much as I'm learning from them. So it's hope it's been a good experience so far for me. Oh, great! Yeah, and and you brought up a great point. Let's talk about that team culture because it was a huge part of the success in the early years when you first got here, right? When you were the new kid, right? I know that, you know, you learned a lot. And now, what do you feel like that team culture is about? You know, like, what do you feel like your job is as captain to try and, you know, explain that to like some of the younger players? I don't know. To me, the biggest thing is um, we tend to lose our head a little bit too easily. So the biggest thing I've tried to bring is calmness through the thick and thin to make sure that everybody is competing no matter what the score is. 
this is something that Bill Doherty and Gary Unger from uh, my years in Banff taught me. No matter what the score is, always play like it's zero zero. If you're winning by ten, if you're losing by right. ten, always give your all till you hear that last whistle. Right. And that is something that always struck with me, and I've always tried to do. So I'm trying to bring that to the table um, through thinking thin. We're fighting, and we're gonna find a way to rally up, no matter what the score was after the first, after the second, or with five minutes left in the third. Right, and. That's a that's a difference I've noticed too because as you know I just joined the the program last year and the D two men's uh, the emotional part right they get too emotional um, they really struggled because very often they were on the wrong end right of a blowout and you know that's hard I mean you're dealing with younger players probably less experienced players and I could see the difference between that last year and this year with yourself being captain and also a couple of other senior members right joining the team. Uh, and and you can really see that that the mental aspect. I mean, skills have gotten better too, but the mental aspect seems to be uh, different. And you know, particularly important important if it's not a blowout. If you're just two goals down, right, and it's only the second period, you know, that's yeah. when it's really important to, like you said, keep your head. Yeah, no, and having guys like Otto Chow, Jovi. Millage that have been uh, in the program for as long as I have. I think Otto even has a year more than I did. Uh, having them here, helping pull everyone in the same direction, it makes it easier. And we all want to succeed. We all have uh, goals set that we want to achieve. And seeing the guys pull that rope all together, it's amazing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, I, I saw that. It brings me back to the Pack 8 Showcase, where you, Otto, um, Jovi, you know what it's like to be on a winning team, right? Mm -hmm. And some of the D2 players who were here last year, right, like the Zeke Endies and the um, uh, Lucas Sola, and who else am I thinking of? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to forget some people. But they weren't, and, and I felt like watching the games, I could see the team as a collective gaining more confidence. Like, we can play with these guys. We Not only can we hang with these guys, we're going to win this game. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like I could see that shift happening over that showcase, and I was so excited to watch. I was really excited to see Otto get a hat trick. I think it was against Washington State? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and I think the toughest team you faced was Eastern Washington, and you swept them, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we were, we were very fortunate that weekend that we got all four wins, which was huge for our season, and to create some momentum for the remaining games that we have coming up that are going to be just as big because no matter where you sit, every game matters, and you got to play like it's your last because you never know what happens tomorrow. Right. So now that you've kind of gotten more more games under your belt, who do you think is going to be your toughest rival this season? You know, kind of when you look at your schedule. I don't know if you've looked at your schedule. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think uh, the Beehive Showcase where we host GCU, Boise, Montana, and Wyoming. Right. That'll be a tough weekend. Uh but I think our toughest opponents are the in-state teams. Um, those are big ra rivalries that have a lot with guys that have a lot of talent, 
uh, guys that really work hard. So they're they're always a lot of fun. Um, we've played them twice already. We haven't been fortunate enough to beat them, uh, to beat like Utah State and Weaver. But we're hoping that come uh, Utah Cup later in February, I think, we will we'll be able to get some payback and be able to defeat them. Right, right. And again, I, I hopped on the bus for the Utah State game. Uh, we won't talk about that one. But but then when you then when you hosted Utah State this last home home trip home game right it was a much more evenly matched contest and it could have gone either way right yeah 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 no absolutely like I think that weekend we're our third and fourth games as a team we're still trying to find ourselves uh, give the team an identity um, and we weren't ready we weren't mentally or physically ready and. This time we were, everybody was excited to play. Everybody knew what we needed to do. And both games were extremely close. One was a two goal game. One was a one goal game. And right. unfortunately we ended up losing, but Hey, we're going to get the next time. That's right. You know, the that's, Utah that's, Cup. The and that, that's our goal. Yeah. Yep. The Utah cup. All right. Uh, I'm going to just kind of like veer off a little bit. And, you know, you've talked about, I mean, you've traveled a lot now. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Like you, you won the lottery, so money's not an issue. You can just go wherever you want. Where would you go? Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, I want, I haven't, there's two places in Europe that I, well, there's a few places in Europe I would love to travel to. I think Italy I, I love Roman history. I would love to be in Rome. I would love to visit Milan, watch one of the soccer games of AC Milan. Uh, I would like to go to the Vatican. Uh, I love history. So like Italy would be a great place for me to visit. I think Greece would be another one. Um, well, you really do like the old stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a huge history nerd. <laughs> I love it. I love everything. I love the Greek mythology. I love I love to learn as much as I can about the world. Um, Austria would be another one that I would love to visit because just like Utah, like it's surrounded by mountains. It's just beautiful scenery everywhere. Whether it's in the fall, spring, summer, winter. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like, it's so funny because you're talking about all these like kind of cooler climates with big snow-capped mountains, and I keep thinking like flashing on Mexico City, which was built on an old dried-up lake bed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah, it's no. on a plateau, but you don't. You have like one volcano that you have to worry about once in a while, right? But otherwise, <laughs> not really many mountains. Yeah, it's it's a complete one eighty to compare to where I'm from. I've, I've your grown parents are probably scratching the their heads. <laughs> yeah, your parents yeah. probably scratching their heads. We have no idea where he gets this from because it's not getting it from us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. Sure. Okay. But, oh my God, that's yeah. that's awesome. Well, and I mean, maybe you know, maybe you'll get a chance when you graduate, right? You know, you got a little yeah. time before you settle down. Uh, you know, and uh, maybe you'll get a chance to do that. That would be, I think, that would be a blast. Yeah. Um, let yeah, me we'll see. see. We're, Go ahead. Keep talking. Uh, we're we're big we're big on family trips. So, and that is 
uh, going to Italy and Greece is something that my sister would also love to do. So I think it might take a little bit more time than I would like, but we'll eventually get there so that the whole family can be there together. Oh, that would be a blast, right? Have, have your So has your family, like your sister, do you have any other siblings? No, I only have one sister. So have they, your sister or your parents ever left Mexico? Have they ever traveled abroad? Yes, my sister did a year in Germany and a semester in London. And she's currently living with me here in Utah. As oh. She's trying to do her undergrad here and then go try to go to PT school. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Does she speak German then? Your yeah. sister? Yeah. Uh, her and I went to a German school back home. Um, I transferred after sixth grade and she stayed there a few years longer. And she went and did a full year abroad. And then she came back home and she switched schools to a different one. And there she got the opportunity to go to London for a semester. Wow. So you guys really have been quite the globetrotting family. I'm, I'm really yeah. impressed. I'm really impressed. What do your What do your parents do, if you don't mind me asking? Your mom and your dad. Um, my mom doesn't work, but my dad is an engineer in systems and communications. And he's part shareholder of a company uh, back home. Ah, uh, that explains where the math genes are coming from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both of my parents were great at math. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. All right, now I'm going to ask you the goofy question. You ready? Yeah. Your apartment just caught fire. What is the first thing you grab before running out the door? Oof. Oof. Don't think too hard. Come on, the house is on, the apartment's on fire. Quick, you got to get out. Grab something quick. Go, go, go. I don't know. I think my backpack. Which has? Uh, my laptop, my iPad, and one book, I think. You have <laughs> you have both? You have a laptop and an iPad? Uh, Yeah. Why? Different uses. I, I use my laptop for... Uh, stuff where I need to type and my iPad when I want to do some research or a little bit of reading. Oh, I guess the iPad's but, better for like if you're doing any like uh, rendering or AutoCAD or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I much rather have uh, hard copies of books. I don't know. There's something about being able to scroll through the pages and have that thick texture in your hand that it just... It's just easier to keep with the story than having to read it through a uh, uh, screen. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of people feel that way. They just, and it's like the tactile thing, right? Where you're holding yeah. the book in your hand. It's not this slick aluminum casing, but it's actually like this fabric and paper or something. So now I got to ask, yeah. what's the one book that you would like, that you've got in your backpack right, um, now? right now? It's Los Reyes Malditos. It's Which a book is, about um, you have to translate us for us gringos. It's yeah, it's the it's a book which translates to the Course Kings, and it talks about a little bit of the French history, or supposedly French history, just before the Hundred Year War started between England and France. 
Wow. It's nonfiction or is it a no uh, historical novel? I, I'm not completely sure, to be honest. <laughs> there's a little bit of both because uh, there's characters that show up like uh, Isabel, the mother of uh, King Richard, the Lion King. Okay. The Lion Heart King, I think it is. Right, uh, right. And that was that other... strategic marriage with, right, to unite yeah. Spain and England or ally Spain and England. I think so, yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah, so it's, I'm not completely sure. I've read it a few times and I've never actually bothered to do my research on it. Huh. <laughs> but, but it's interesting. Who's the, who's the author? Um, if you give me a second, I can tell you. Oh, there you go. So the author would be. And I'm, and I'm curious. Did the author originally write this in Spanish? Or is this uh, a translation from English into Spanish or from some other no, language into Spanish? I've, I've only seen it in Spanish. Uh, Maurice Duran, Duran is the is the author. So Duran sounds like... And yeah, he lived from 1918 to 2009. Oh, okay. So he's... he's... This was written quite a while ago. Yeah, uh, it was written in 1955. Huh, interesting. Wow, you are quite the man of the world. <laughs> well, that was my goofy question for the day, and it revealed a, a, a pretty, some inter pretty interesting things, like you're, you're quite the hisp history and world traveler, so, uh, or history buff and world traveler. So uh, uh, I'm going to just wrap things up on that note. Uh, again, I'd like to thank you, Antonio. I mean, this was fascinating. Um, and I uh, wish you all the best and wish you uh, the best of luck. Of course, we are also uh, going to be, Utah Hockey is also going to be hosting the West Regional, uh, West Western District uh, Postseason championship, ter championship Tournament, which is another qualifier for for the nationals and let's hope that utah gets enough points to qualify for that one well thank you very much for having me anita and yeah um, that is our goal we want to make it to regional so that we have a fighting chance to make it to nationals as well yeah i'd, I'd love it i'd love to see the the men's make to d2 nationals which will be in boston well not boston but but near boston i think waltham it should be fun it should be a good season so hopefully we keep we keep it going yeah so once again congratulations on your success this far and best of luck to you um and all your future plans and once again thanks for you know chatting with us well hey how about that i mean it's uh it was a, there was an awful lot of utah and an awful lot of men's division two in there but uh we got to hear also an awful lot about antonio nahara and uh, growing up in uh, Mexico and learning to play hockey and what, uh, you know, what piqued his interest. I thought it was kind of cool. Also, obviously, he's a learned young man, you know, whipping out uh, some some textbooks and some uh, some interesting uh, authors. So very good. Well, hey, thanks to Anita Suchia and thanks to uh, Antonio Nahara for uh, for helping us out there. And thanks to you for listening to the WCHL podcast. You can follow the WCHL pod on Twitter for as long as Twitter's up and available, unless it you know goes down in a ball of flames anytime soon. 
Follow it on Twitter at WCHLpod. The Western CHL is online at westernchl.com. And it's also on Twitter at Western CHL. And, um, yeah, you can follow Anita on Twitter at Sabaku Inc. And I'm on Twitter at CJPNOKLA. Again, all of that is presuming that Twitter is around by the time you listen to this podcast. And uh, so, hey, let's get right after it. Thanksgiving has come and gone. We've eaten all the pie. We're, uh, we've slept all of our turkey sleeps that we have. We're going to get Andrew back on here. We've got a whole weekend of uh, WCHL action coming up. Let's get to it. And uh, we'll get some uh, predictions out of Andrew as well coming up. We'll find out. You know, maybe he started celebrating Christmas already. Who knows? All right. Thanks for listening. And um, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. See you at the rink.